Well, I want to do something different this <clears throat> this morning. Usually I take one paragraph, sit there, and spend all of my time in that paragraph. And, and this morning, uh, I want to look at, at four scriptures that we're going to spend time in. Since uh, we're starting a new year, and it's a time when magazine articles, blog posts, videos all talk about reflecting on the prior year and looking forward to the year ahead and of course it's 2021 everything's all better so that's good that we that we all made it you know <laughs> uh, we had only wished <laughs> but i i think it is important for us to to take a moment and, and look back not only because that's what god calls for us to do but uh, our theme for 2021 is hope starts here And we're going to be talking about this year, each lesson once a month, uh, about how we can have hope in a variety of different circumstances. Uh, How to look for hope and endure difficulties and hardships and seeing how that hope really does always start at Christ. But in looking forward, I think it is important that we consider uh, that we look backward if we're going to have a proper perspective of the hope that lies ahead of us and the hope that we are supposed to have uh, in Christ. One of the things that you see God doing over and over again in the scriptures is he will tell his people that I want you to look back at the things that have happened and learn from them. He'll always say that. You might consider the whole book of Deuteronomy as that. Uh, The whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses standing up in a series of sermons. And what he's essentially doing is saying, let's talk about everything that's happened to us over the last 40 years. And we need to learn from the events that have happened over the last 40 years. That's what that whole book is ultimately about. And what you see Moses doing is trying to show Israel that the 40 years in the wilderness were not just a punishment because of the things that they had done and their refusal to enter the promised land. But that that time in the wilderness was intended to be a teaching tool. It was intended to prepare them to be God's people as they would enter that land. And Moses takes that opportunity to teach them and say, here's here's what we should have learned from our failures. Here's what we should have learned about God. Here's what we should have learned during these difficult days. And through that, then we will be able to go forward into the promised land. And not only do you see God do that, Like in the book of Deuteronomy, you might think about the message of Haggai where uh, the prophet Haggai comes to the people and he he observes the same situation that they were supposed to look at events that were happening in their days and cause them to consider Haggai chapter one and in verse five where we read Haggai saying, now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. 
Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. One of the things you see in the days of Haggai is God trying to tell the people is you're not paying attention to the events that have happened to you. And that's what Moses was doing as he preached his sermon in Deuteronomy. You didn't pay attention to the events that were happening to you in the wilderness. That God is always calling for us to consider our past and consider our ways. And that it would be a failure on our part to go through suffering and difficulties and hardships and not look back and try to learn from what we've experienced. And that ultimately is what we're going to be talking about then this morning in this lesson. I will put as my disclaimer and my my caveat to you. This lesson is in no way any condemnation about our past, but that we would learn from the past so that our new year will go better than in our prior year. That's ultimately the goal, is that we will look at our faith, we will look at ourselves, and that we will look at our God, And as we think about the things that we have gone through and the decisions that we've made, that we will learn from those things so that when presented with difficulties and hardships again, we may do better in the decisions that we make. One of the things that I think is interesting, you might read Deuteronomy and you might read Haggai and go, well, those are isolated incidents and that's you know Israel and so that's not really anything for us but I want us to consider that this is always what God had in mind when it came to how things were happening in our lives listen to the writer of Ecclesiastes who speaks far more broadly about those things where the writer of Ecclesiastes says consider the work of God For who can make straight what he has bent? In times of prosperity, be joyful. But in times of adversity, consider. God has made one as well as the other, so that no one can discover what the future holds. And there's two things I want us to see there. First, notice... He says, you're going to have days of prosperity and you are going to have days of adversity. You live long enough, you know that. You're in prosperity and you go, okay, well, eventually there's going to be hard times. And if you're in hard times, you know, well, eventually there's going to be prosperity. You always are on that pendulum. You're always on that life roller coaster. You're in good times, you're in bad times. You're in prosperity, you're in adversity. And notice that the writer of Ecclesiastes says, that's the way God made life. That's the way things are. There should not be anything surprising to us or strange to us to consider that we are going to be on a yo-yo of good times and bad times and prosperity and adversity. God has made life this way. And to notice that he says, hey, when things are good, be glad. Praise God. Enjoy the blessing. Be joyful. But in adversity, there needs to be reflection. There needs to be consideration. And in particular, what he wants us to consider with this yo-yo of life and roller coaster of life is he says, God has made one as well as the other. So you don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? God says, I made them both. 
so that there is no way for you to say this week or this month or this year will certainly be one of these. You don't know which one that will be. 2021 may be awesome. It may be worse. We don't know. We don't know. We all came out of 2019 flying high. Yeah, you know, New Year is going to be great. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we don't know. And the point that the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to get us to recognize is these kinds of shifts in life and these kinds of ups and downs and prosperous times and difficult times is supposed to be showing us something and teaching us something that you don't know what tomorrow will be. That you have zero guarantee over tomorrow. You don't know what that future will be. You don't know if tomorrow is going to be wonderful or horrible. We have absolutely no clue. And God wants us to have that sense. In particular, to break us of arrogance, the kind of control and power that we think that we have over the future. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, you don't have that. You don't have that kind of knowledge, nor do you have that kind of ability. James said the same thing, our our third scripture to look at this morning. James, in chapter 4 and in verse 13, he tells us, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? That's a good question. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is a sin. And James says something that I think is very important. Because... If there is anything that I hope the prior year has taught us is that we have absolutely no control over tomorrow. Think about all the plans that we had, uh, all the hopes and plans. And I'm sure we all had some kind of sense of the things that we were hoping to do and the plans that we had made things that we were going to accomplish, things that we could do or see or whatever it was. And one of the things that this year should have done to us is really awaken us and said, we don't have the power to execute the plans that we think we can. We think that we can just do whatever we set our mind to do and just accomplish whatever plans that we make. And boy, did this year show us that's not true. That's just absolutely not true. That we think we have such power and such control over our lives. And here has been a a radical year for us to consider. We don't have the control that we think we have. If there is anything that we grasp as an overarching idea from what has happened this year and what God is trying to teach us, 
is we don't have control over how this year is going to go, how this month is going to go, how tomorrow is going to go, or even how today is going to go. You know, we knew that in small things. You know, how many times have you ever woken up and you've got a flat tire or you've woken up and something's broken and now you can't do what you thought you were going to do or you were going to do something and it didn't go according to plan or you just you woke up and you just had the 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 good old days generic cold and now you're all messed up for the day I mean, we just don't have control and, and we think we just have so much power that we are able to accomplish so much and this year should have shown us that we just don't have control. Think about what happened this last year. Schools closing, businesses closing, federal mandatory lockdown for first 30 days, and then it turned into 45 days. Where's all that power that we had, all that control of we can do? We, we, it's easy to forget that we just don't have that kind of power. We just don't have that kind of control. And I hope that what this year has done for us in this the, the massive upheaval and the, the destruction that ultimately has occurred is that we will learn what James says here, that we will truly have within our hearts the words that James says is that if the Lord wills, we will live And if it is the Lord's will, we will do whatever we have hoped or planned that we will do. I just, I don't have the power. I don't have the control. I've told you many times, I would like to think that I have the control to take my life to whatever grand old age I want to take it to. You know, preach my funeral sermon, close the casket, and I'll just go out on my terms. We all like to think that. I've got control. I've got the power. I'll just set and dictate those terms of when I go and how I go. Really? (laughs) Really? James is saying something here. And this year should have shown us. It's only if the Lord wills we will live. And it's only the Lord wills that we will do whatever we think we're going to do today. And it's only that the Lord wills that we will live tomorrow. And it's only if the Lord wills that we will do whatever we think we're going to do tomorrow. I really hope this year has really firmly emblazoned that into us, that we don't have that kind of constant, it's always going to be like it always was in our hearts anymore. It is certainly in the hands of God. Which then leads to the the big thing that I think is important as we talk about looking back to look forward looking back about what we have gone through is that we would truly make an analysis about faith. We would really think about our faith through what we've gone through this last year. As was read for us, really our key text is here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. This is where we will spend the rest of our time where Peter says, In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Right? Why? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What I want us to see that the Apostle Peter says is our faith has to be thrown into the fire so that we can see the result, so that we can see what comes up. Faith must be tested. And it's one of those times where you had a year where everybody's faith got tested. You know, sometimes when you talk about faith being tested, we're all on different seasons and different parts of life where one person's person's having good times and the other person's having the difficulties and the suffering. This was a universal year. (laughs) We all were in this together as we heard over and over again. And that's what you have Peter here to say. So we were all in this in terms of our faith being tested. And what we need to do is take the moment to consider what our faith did. How did our faith look? How strong was it? How pure was it? And I think if we do anything about trying to think about hope and the future that we will be speaking about in these upcoming lessons in 21, Lord willing, that we will then understand that faith was severely tested and what came of it? How did we do? Ultimately, what did our faith look like? And I hope that's why you see Peter and James say, rejoice in this. Because we needed the check. We needed the faith to be checked. We needed faith to be tested. And all of us in 2020 were now presented here in January with the results. It's almost like going to school and you go through, go through, go through, and you finally come to the end of the year and they give you the report card. And in this situation, everybody's got their own report card. Here, You went through the year. How did your faith do? I want to talk about a, quite a few areas as we think about what had happened to us over this last year and some of the unique things that at least in terms of the span of my lifetime, I'd never seen. It was always interesting. To, it was always called unprecedented, but it probably should have been qualified within our generation. It wasn't really that unprecedented in terms of world history and the expanse of life. But in terms of what we've experienced in this world, it was certainly different. For example, our faith was certainly tested when it came to necessities of life. I can't think of any time in my life where there has ever really been a true concern about the staples of life. I mean, remember, you went to the store. There wasn't stuff there. And we were asking the people who worked there, when does your beef come in? Because <laughs> there isn't any. And there wasn't toilet paper. And there wasn't all kinds of things that we just took for granted as we just go to the store and get it. And for probably the first time in many people's lives like my own, that's the first time that's ever happened. That's the first time you couldn't access something that you wanted. 
We've lived in such a prosperous country. We're just used to get on Amazon. It'll be here tomorrow. There was not food or toilet paper on Amazon. Not even sure there still is. (laughs) And we're learning something from this. And I think it is important because it was for the first time a moment where you could really think about what Jesus said. In his Sermon on the Mount, where he told his disciples, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. And that has always sounded good in theory. Oh, yes, we will never worry about what we will eat or what we will drink as my pantry is full and my fridge is full and the garage is full. Okay, I don't worry, Lord, see. And this might have been the first time where that was put to the test. Do we believe that God will provide? Do we believe that God will give us what we need? Do we really believe that we don't have to be anxious about this life and that God is going to carry us through? Faith was tested. Do we really believe the words of Jesus that he's got us and he'll give us what we need and he'll sustain us? I think it's a challenge sometimes and it's important that we take opportunities like what we experienced to examine our hearts and examine our faith and look back at how we looked at that and how our faith survived that so that we can truly test if we trust God or not. Not only has that been part of the test of 2020, Our health has certainly been under the test. At the very beginning, you might remember that it looked like this was going to be deadlier than even that it's been. We were told early summer we had federal officials coming on and saying this is going to be one of the worst months ever. And there was going to be an awful lot of death. And we were all bracing for that. We were all preparing for that. And I hope that one of the things that has happened in this year and in this pandemic and its difficulty is that it is asked a question of is one of the idols that we may have in our hearts an idol of health, that health is supreme. And the reason why that is important for our consideration It's because God is always telling us that we need to be ready to sacrifice our lives for the cause of Christ. Under persecution or difficulty or whatever may come. And it's a moment that's been given to us to check and see how tightly are we gripping on to the hope of health and life? Or do we realize that this is also from God? You think about the danger it can be to have such a high value of our own personal health. Because under a severe persecution, what would we do? When you read in the scriptures of people like Daniel, who's thrown into a den of lions for the ability to pray to God, you can't hold on to your health very tightly and make that decision that Daniel made. Or how about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
who were told all you need to do is just bow down when we play the music. Just, you know, bow down to this idol and, and you'll be fine. Preserve your health. Don't be thrown into a fiery furnace. You see, it's important for us to consider how we look at our health. What about the apostles? We know that the apostles died violent deaths. And so how we look at our health and how we look uh, at our lives, we need to ask ourselves, would we really be able to do the same thing? Would we be able to make the same decisions that they made? We read those things when we go through the scriptures and I think all of us mentally assent to, oh yes, I would be willing to give my life and who cares about health and when we will give our lives for God, but this year tested us. How important is health and life or is Christ supreme? And that's why closely tied to that is faith was even tested in regards to a response to persecution. We had government leaders this year, last year telling churches to shut down. We had in different cities and states, leaders were breathing threats against those churches that were gathering. Lots of cities had that happening. We were told that we were killing people if we were meeting, we were being irresponsible. We were told that we weren't loving each other if we were worshiping. There was negative publicity upon churches in our own county. We didn't know if it was okay to meet or not because you were breaking the 10-person gathering requirement that existed. We had our own county health official in a press conference saying that all churches and synagogues need to be closed. I don't know that we've ever faced something like that in our time. Where we were told that we shouldn't be meeting. And so how did our faith do that, do through that? And we have to ask ourselves, would we really be willing to be fined by our government or be imprisoned by our government or be taken to the death by our government for the cause of Christ? Would we really be willing to do that? Would we do what you see those first century Christians doing? Would we be like Paul in Philippians who's in chains for the gospel? And that's the only reason he's there. He could have just stayed quiet, but he didn't. And that's why he's in prison. Or like we've mentioned with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's so important that we consider in how hard this last year was that we look at our faith spiritually and what we were willing and what we were unwilling to do for God. And what did that look like as those elements were finally, for once at least in all of my life, were actually put to the test. Because it always was theory before. It always was theory before. We'd always talked about it. And it was the first time where we had a chance to really see what faith would do. Tied closely to that, faith has been tested in regarding the obedience to governing authorities. Uh, Churches not here, but in other places have been told that they have to either meet outside. Some of them were told they could only meet if they sat six feet apart. Other places they were told they could only meet if they wore masks. The home church that I grew up in was told they have to do all three and still do. They have to meet outside six feet apart with masks on. Would we have been willing to do that? Would we be willing to do that? 
Because we must remember that we must obey as Christians the governing authorities, all of them, unless it is in direct violation to the scriptures. And meeting outside is not a violation of the scriptures. And meeting at six feet apart is not a violation of the scriptures. Or meeting with masks on is not a violation of the scriptures. Nor meeting outside six feet apart with masks on is not a violation of the scriptures. My good friend that I grew up with for the longest time is still out there. And I mean, I told him, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. But it doesn't matter if we agree with it or not. It's what we're supposed to do as Christians. We don't break the governing rules, even if we don't agree with them or like it. We all have things we follow that we don't like. You can make a really long list. You can probably start with traffic lights, texting and speed limits and everything else. All the things that we know. I don't like all those things. But as Christians, we fully comply to the government unless it directly violates the scriptures. And faith has been tested in that. Will we do what the government says to do unless it goes against God's law? So all the first times we've been challenged, perhaps even in that. It has been a very unique year as faith has been tested. Will we obey the government or will we be obstinate? Will we submit to our authorities or will we make a stink about having to do it? As Christians, remember, we're supposed to live quiet and peaceful lives, praying for our leaders, submitting to authorities. That's what the New Testament picture always shows. And I cannot imagine that any of those Christians in the first century liked their emperor, and all of the rules that Nero was throwing at them. I can't imagine it. It's hard for us to imagine even that kind of atmosphere and living in that kind of world. And it was in that environment that you had the Apostle Peter saying, you honor the emperor, and that the Apostle Paul said, you submit to all the governing authorities. Faith has been tested there about our willingness to submit to the governing authorities. And finally, I would like for us to ask what our faith has revealed in regards to our value of worship and fellowship. I hope that we miss a lot of the things that we used to do together. I hope you're like me and you miss in-home Bible studies together. And we were able to do and not have to be concerned about gathering like that. And okay, well, what are we going to do under those circumstances? I hope that we see the value of worship, of worshiping together. I hope that this year has caused us to have a far greater appreciation of our ability to gather together, to enjoy one another in fellowship and in worshiping of God. And it is a a challenge again in terms of our faith that we look at, did God become a God of convenience or do we worship and serve him only when it's comfortable for us? What were we going to do with him? Is he somebody that we serve at all costs or only when it's okay? 
such a value is placed in the scriptures upon our coming together and upon our worship and upon our fellowship. And so in short, what I'm getting at really with this lesson is just asking for us to take our own inventory and to really think about what the fire of 2020 revealed in terms of our faith and in terms of our walk with God. That we would really consider, are there areas of our faith that have been shown to be strong? And there are areas of our faith that may have been shown to be weak. And and the thing that I want us to, to really do with this is that our time in the wilderness this last year will not have been for nothing. That the hardships will have not been for nothing. That this will really allow each of us over what has happened. And some of these are still being tested even today. That it will really reveal within us, where do I need to grow? What fears do I have? And where do I need to push into God and trust him and draw nearer to him all the more? (laughs) So what do you want to call the year 2020? The year of fear? (laughs) I think that might be fair. (laughs) It was quite a year for us. But as we go into this new year and we are talking about hoping in God, that we will truly consider then, will we trust God in any circumstance? Will we trust him no matter how life goes, no matter what we gain or no matter what we lose? Will we value God above all else? And I hope that we will consider where our faith needs some support. If any of the areas that we've talked about are areas that, okay, I need to grow in that. That revealed something. And that's the whole point of what Peter is saying. Faith must be tested. Not so that we'll feel like failures, but so that we will identify those areas and go, I need to work on that. I need to be stronger in that. I need to be ready. Because that might happen again. Faith might be put to the test yet again. We don't know when and we don't know how. But how did your faith do? And where can you grow as we go into this next year? Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, this last year has been a difficult year. It has been filled with pain and it's been filled with loss and hurt. It's been filled with suffering, and it's been certainly filled with emptiness. It's been filled with sadness. Lord, I pray that for us, we will take what we have gone through this last year, and that, Lord, you would reveal to our minds and to our hearts the areas where we need a greater faith that you would show us where we need to improve and that the things that we have gone through over this last year will not have been for nothing but that these things could make us all the more ready for us to be able to be with you in eternity. So Lord, expose our hearts and help us to see inwardly into us where faith has been shaken And Lord, we pray for a greater faith. Lord, that you would come and give us the strength that we need, that you would encourage our hearts, encourage our faith, that you would give us boldness and give us strength. 
so that in the days ahead that you may be giving to us, that we will be stronger. Lord, help us to have that. And Lord, for the areas of our weaknesses and possible failures, Lord, we pray for forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for our anxiety. Forgive us for our fears. And Lord, we pray for far more strength in the days ahead to know that you are supreme, that you are sovereign, that you rule over all the affairs of life, and that we can entrust our lives into your hands. Finally, Lord, forgive us for the arrogance that we may have possessed, as we certainly look to our own power and our own control and our own plans as if we have control over any of it. Lord, remind us that we don't. Remind us and show us how powerless we are so that we would have a greater dependence upon you. So Lord, forgive us for all of our past failures. Encourage us in this year to come. May we have greater faith, a far greater hope in you, and share a greater love to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song now in just a moment. Opportunity for you if you need to come to Christ. I hope that you would take advantage of the day. As I've been hitting on throughout the lesson and really throughout the year, if there's anything that it shows us, this is what we've gone through, is that you don't know that you have tomorrow to change your life. You don't know that you have tomorrow to increase your faith. You don't know that you have tomorrow to get right with God. You don't know that you have tomorrow for so many things that we often put in that spiritual bucket of I will get to those things with God tomorrow. It will, I'll improve upon that tomorrow. It'll be next week. It'll be later on. We'll get there. But you'd see that in this year, you don't know that you're going to get there. You don't know that you have time to get ready to be with God in the future, that you get ready to be with him this very day, that you can have that kind of confidence of your sins forgiven so that you can be ready to meet the Lord if it be today, tomorrow, or whenever the Lord returns or whenever our health fails, that we'll be ready to be with him. Can we help you in any way? Turn away from your sins. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. You just let us know. We'd be happy to help you. We can come now while we stand and while we sing.